102.5 FM, KXSFLP San Francisco, and KXSF.FM. You're tuned in to Spark, informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul. This is Kelly Marlowe, host of Spark. Today I'm talking with Craig Jaro, an expert on factors that contribute to successful time management to enable you to achieve more in less time. He has taught time management to organizations, including the U.S. Navy. Thank you for joining me today, Craig. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you very much. So with the start of the new year, people are making personal resolution to become more effective with their time and accomplishing more. What is preventing people from accomplishing more in less time in your experience? Um, I think what usually prevents people, it's interesting you say at the beginning of the new year, because that's the time that we all kind of look to restart, right, and re-engage with our goals and things like that. But I think the main thing that keeps everybody from jumping on those goals and and getting more done is the fact that we have created this world of constant busyness and constant interruption. It's, it's very hard to add more to that plate. So often, you know, you're so busy with all the activities or all the things you have going on at work or in school or whatever, and it's hard to add more to that plate. So it does take a dramatic change, I think, for most people to be able to fit new goals into their daily lifestyle. Does that make sense? Yes. So what you're saying is that they usually have to consider taking other priorities off their plate in order to accomplish or prioritize what they want to accomplish or achieve this year. Yes, that's a great, great way to put it. Because again, you know, whatever your goal is, maybe it's to write a book or maybe it's to work out more, you know, some of the common goals that you hear from certain from people. It's about how are you going to work that into your lifestyle? And, and you'll hear me use that word lifestyle a lot because, again, it's not just about saying you're going to do something. It's about making it part of your daily you know, routine and things like that. So for, take one of those, for example. If you're going to say you're going to write a book, um, what are you going to do to make that time part of your, your, your daily routine? And as you point out, many times that means taking something else off the plate. So one thing that's a good exercise for people that are trying to put a new goal out there in front of them is to ask yourself, where are you going to get that time in your day, and do you need to remove something else from your schedule to make that happen? But isn't, it isn't just about getting things done, right? It's how exactly and what exactly you want to get done. So it's it's more than just the busy work. It's like you have to be pretty strategic. About- yes, yes. I'll jump in and say what I think that, you know, the common trap that you can fall into is thinking that being busier means you're going to be more productive. And again, we only, as you mentioned, we only have so much time in the day. So being busier doesn't necessarily mean you're going to reach your goals. doesn't mean you're going to get more done. It is about doing the right things and doing more of the right things to move you, you know, forward in a positive way towards your goals than just doing more. And, you know, we hear the cliches like, you know, work smarter instead of harder and things like that. But again, it's about being strategic about the things that are going to make that positive result. So again, in the examples I've given there, are you going to be able to spend time at the gym? Are you going to be able to spend time writing your book or whatever your goal may be? Again, those are just simple examples. But again, it is about fitting that into your day and you can't do everything. So you do have to be strategic about doing the right things. Yeah. Do you think that most people are overproductive about the little things that matter less or stressing about the less important details? I think that can be a common a common theme, right? We, we, at heart, many of us want to get everything done and want to be in some way a perfectionist. You know, it, it doesn't feel good to not get things done. If, you, if you're looking at what's on your list, and hopefully you have a list, a to-do list that you can prioritize and put the things in order of importance, you know, it's sometimes important to say, hey, I'm going to get these five things done today. And that's a magic number I use a lot is what are the five most important things you're going to get done today? And it may be at the expense of some of the smaller details. And we all have things that you can't let drop, you know, you can't let pass. But at the same point, what are the five things that you have to get done today to have a successful day? And again, it's not about getting everything done. But what are the most important things to get done? 
Do you think that people stress about the less important details as a distraction to the bigger things they wish to accomplish? I think I think so. I think it can be that, you know, not wanting to let anything drop, right? And if you have things on your list, you may feel bad about, hey, I may not be able to go do this appointment or I may not be able to spend time, you know, on this one activity, fall by the wayside. But it's about making a conscious choice and, and then again being positive with your attitude about, hey, I did the things that were important today. So you know what? Maybe I didn't make it to the store to get one more item that I thought we needed, but at the same point, I did get to the gym today, and that's a positive thing for me. You have mentioned that stress kills productivity, and I couldn't help think that overthinking is the same as stress, right? And can you talk about the stress killing productivity? Yeah, I think I think when it comes to the stress level, and again, we all experience different levels of stress, but I think the stress can kill your productivity because it it goes to that overthinking that that you mentioned there. And you can spend so much time in overanalyzing things, overthinking things, instead of actually doing the things that that, that we've said are important. So, again, uh, it can be a positive thing to focus. You know, there's a couple thoughts here. One, focus on the task at hand. Try not to be, you know, worrying about the hundred other things that you need to be doing and focus on the task at hand and doing the task at hand, you know, actually being an action-oriented is very powerful in that regard. I'll give a quick example here. You're keeping a to-do list and it's one of the biggest, biggest productivity tools. I think the most important productivity tool you can have is, is your to-do list. And your to-do list is there to help you not have to stress about all the other stuff you need to do. You know, if you're trying to keep all that thing, all those tasks in your head and they're all in your mind, it's hard to focus on what you're trying to do right in front of you. But your to-do list is there to take those off your mind and remember them. So when you do get to a breaking point or a regrouping point, you can look at your to-do list and see, hey, what is the next most important thing I should be working on? But you, you see, you don't have to keep all that on your mind. It lets your brain relax and then actually concentrate on what you, you are trying to do. What about when things aren't working out as you like them to, and they leads to discouragement? To keep pushing through it. Is there a technique for keep pushing oh, through, oh, even when you're discouraged? Yes, yes. No, my my, my misunderstood. Um, yes, no. Obviously, when things aren't going your way, that can be frustrating, and, and no one no one likes to be you know behind the eight ball when it comes to their work, or you know not feeling like they're they're succeeding or winning. So yeah, it can be tough, and and. I think when, when there's a couple of tactics you can use here to try and push through when things aren't working out the way you want them to. One is regroup with your work. Regroup, to, you know, even taking a quick break may actually make you more productive as you move forward if you're able to regroup and see, hey, this wasn't getting done, but what is the most important thing that, you know, that I, I can be working on now if I you know, can't be successful at something else? So, again, being again, strategic about what you're working on and regrouping when things aren't working out. And then, yes, I mean, we all benefit from having a support system. So when things aren't working out and you're discouraged, it can be powerful to get assistance, get help, whether it's from a friend, a partner, a spouse, whatever it may be, get some, some you know, moral support and some positive attitude injected into your day if you're not able to, uh, you know, if things aren't going your way, put it that way. Don't keep banging your head against the wall if it's not working out. Just right. take a break and right. move on. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound productive, especially when you just keep doing the same yeah. thing over and over. Yeah. And hopefully you have a good venting system. What stops people from realizing their time to its fullest potential? Is it not knowing what to do? Is it motivation or is it distraction or all three? I, it's a little bit of all three, but I, the two that really catch my attention all the time are again. Is, is, it is about knowing what you need to do. We all we we all have experienced that 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 time where suddenly you remember something that you didn't remember was due today, or heck, heck it's already past due, or something like that. And those aren't fun, right? So again, using that task list to stay ahead of your work and and know what you need to do is one of the most important things. And again, I kind of can tie this into also kind of the planning of your day, you know, as well, because, you know, so many people charge into their day, whether it's going to work or going to school without really knowing what they need to do today. And that's not just their tasks, but also their appointments and their calendars and such like that. So having a plan can help you overcome, you know, not knowing what you're doing or what you need to do. So that can be a way to overcome that. But I do think that's a big challenge for a lot of people is that they're not 
aware or they're not keeping a, a view of what they need to be doing. And, and again, if when you don't, then you're living in a react, reactionary way and you're basically treading water instead of doing the things that could maybe move you ahead. I do want to go to the distractions, though, that you mentioned as well, because in this day and age, I think that's one of the biggest things that, that keeps us all from getting things done. You know, I think every single person listening to this is probably has a cell phone and has a smartphone and it doesn't leave their side, doesn't leave their hand at all, right? You know, if we leave the house and we forget it, what do we do? We turn around, we go back and get it. You know, that's like the one thing that most people go back and get even over their wallet sometimes. But these these smart devices are also some of the biggest distractions for us, right? And I like to ask people, you know, is your is your phone a tool to help you get work done, productivity, or is it a toy and something that distracts you all day long? And whether it's social media or whatever it may be, games, I don't care, news, these things, you know, they, they chime and they vibrate and they take our mind away from the things that we're supposed to be doing. And, you know, we all have done that where we get on our phone and next thing you know, you've wasted an hour you know, playing, for, for lack of a better word. So I do think the distractions are a big thing, and, and it's become very addictive for all of us with our phones. You know, many people, last thing they do at night is play on their phone, or the first thing they do when they get up in the morning is play on their phone. So it can be a big time suck that, that, that eats up a lot of your day if you're not careful. Yes, it's relaxing, though. That's why it works, right? It can be relaxing, and I don't want to say that it's all negative. It's not. I mean, it, it lets us do things and communicate with people in ways that we've never been able to before, right? But um, at the same point, there's a lot of, you know, time wasting that happens there, you know. And and I think in small doses, like many things, it can be positive, to your point, relaxing. Um, again, even building relationships and things like that. But when done... 20, 30, 40, 50 times a day, checking your social networks or checking email or whatever it may be, it then keeps you from being productive and, to your point, reaching your full potential with your time. Um, There's some great stats out there. I don't have them off the top of my head about how many times people turn on and check their phone a day, how many times a day people, you know, check their social network or, or even their email. And an email is one where people think, oh, I'm checking my email. I'm doing work, right? No, you're checking email and being distracted from what you're could or should be doing. Um, and so I definitely recommend you limit that. Even your email and such, whether it's for work or whatever, you know, only check it a few times a day or schedule specific times that you're going to check your, your inbox versus checking it, you know, six times an hour or something like that. That's a really good point because then you're in a reactive mode rather than a proactive mode, right, in terms of focusing on what you want to accomplish. Then you're constantly reacting to whether the people are sending you. Yes, Yes, um, a good friend of mine who also writes online, I think he said it best once, where he said, your inbox is a list of everyone else's priorities, right? And if you're living in your inbox, um, I would say that you're, you know, you're constantly reacting to other people's inquiries. And again, I'm not telling you to ignore other people. I'm not telling you to, to not correspond. But it's, again, about doing it at the right times and in the right doses so that you're not constantly getting interrupted. And one thing I like to remind people about their phones is you can turn those notifications off, right? And, and I try to turn off all notifications that aren't really essential because you don't need your phone buzzing or dinging or whatever when you're in the middle of a task or in the middle of a meeting or as we've all seen and done when you're actually talking to someone else right you've been talking to someone and suddenly they're paying attention to their phone rather than actually having a conversation with you so not only is it rude but it you know it's not productive to to move the conversation forward so we've all experienced that what what about motivation how do you address motivation and realizing your time to its fullest potential I think with motivation, when it comes to maximizing your time, um, one of the things I like to, to be able to do is, is have what I call a successful day or a positive day in terms of, you know, you know, you know, heard, you know, one step forward, two steps back, you know, how do you have a day that's two steps forward and only one step back? Um, I think motivation can be about before you start your day, you know, having that planning time to say, hey, these are the things that are on my, on my list, on my plate. I'm going to do these five or these 10 or whatever it is. These things have got to get done today. And it's not all about score and it's not all about, you know, points and things like that, but it can be motivational. It can be very motivational to be able to look at your list and see how many things you've accomplished today or being able to review your list at the end of the day and say, Hey, I was successful today or I feel good about today because I got these important things done today. Um, That's why I think paper lists are still a thing, you know, 
a lot of people still like day planners, even with our phones and everything. Some you'll see people with a day planner or a paper list that they like to make because it just feels good, right? When you cross something off physically on that list, it feels really good. So being able to motivate yourself by feeling that, that progress and, and measuring measuring that is a powerful thing. So I think that's, that's important that, you know, you don't have to keep score, like I'm saying, but being able to say, hey, I accomplished these things today, and this is what I set out to do. So I think that can be very motivating. What about rewards? Because after a while, you could get tired of getting through lists, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, and I, and I don't mean to make it sound sterile or un, 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 unadventurous by saying, hey, I'm going to work off this list. But again, the list can be powerful. Again, so you're not sitting there thinking about everything you need to do. But yes, you can make it fun. You can make it rewarding. And, and yes, rewards are good in, in many ways, whether it's you know, rewards on the way to your goals or even just rewarding yourself with something special because you, you know, had a positive day or accomplished what you needed to do this week or something like that. But I assume that it's important to group on your list by priority what's going to make the most impact for your day or for your life. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, and then group them into the most important to the least important. Yes. And I'm a big fan of what you're describing there, which is prioritizing or ordering your list in terms of, you know, what's the most important, because inevitably, if you don't, you've got this big list, you're going to look at it, and you're going to say, oh, this is an easy one, I'm going to do this, and this one, this one looks fun. And you may have done 20 things, but if they were the lowest important things on your list, they really didn't accomplish much. And it's interesting, because we have these powerful devices in our phones and our tablets and, you know, whatever else. And a lot of to-do lists aren't real big on, I mean, you can reorder and do things like that, but a lot of them are not real big on prioritizing your list. And I think that's an important feature that some of those to-do apps miss is the ability to reorder or group your to-dos by importance or things like that. Um, I use an app on my iPhone and, and Mac and tablets and such called Things, and it's real big on being able to group and reorder by by a priority. And I can even see the things that I'm saying have to be done today. So. I do think it's important. But again, make sure you're ordering that list by what's most important. We're going to take a quick break and thank our underwriters. Be back on Achieving More in Less Time with Craig Charo. Support for KXSF is provided by Rainbow Grocery, a worker-owned cooperative that has been serving San Francisco vegetarian food and providing a model for sustainable living since 1975. Rainbow is located at 1745 Folsom Street. Visit them online at rainbow.coop. KXSF would like to thank Rainbow Grocery for its continued support. This is KXSF 102.5 FM, streaming worldwide at www.kxsf.fm. And you're tuned in to Spark with Kelly Marlowe. Informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul. I was talking with Craig Jaro before the break about achieving more in less time. You have written, be extraordinary. Don't be like anyone else. Do what 99% of people will never do. Can you explain this? Oh, yes. I think in that regard, I was talking about, you know, being willing to do what other people are not willing to do. And that doesn't have to be something that sounds like a big burden. But again, most people here, I'll give you two quick examples on that. Most people aren't going, not most, but a lot of people are not going to plan their day before they start their day, as we were discussing. So if you will take five, ten minutes before you leave the house in the morning to look at your calendar to review your task list before you start the day and have a plan, you will be ahead of the game or getting a head start on everyone else. Another example in that same regard is what I like to call not just planning for your day, but preparing for your day. And that's doing the advanced work or the homework that needs to be done before you get to some of those appointments you may have. I mean, we've all walked into a meeting and everyone walks in and sits down and everybody kind of looks at each other and they're like, okay, did, what are we talking about? because no one actually reviewed the agenda in advance or reviewed the materials in advance and we're getting into meetings and such. But again, why many, many of those um, opportunity appointments are not productive is because people aren't doing the advanced work. So you can be ahead of everybody else or get a head start by, by doing that advanced work, doing that homework, doing that preparation in advance 
I'll give you a couple other examples of some tips and tactics that will get you ahead because other people aren't doing it. Um, simple things like even even just getting into the we'll talk about the office for a moment. Even just getting into your job a few minutes early each day will give you a head start on everyone else. Not only does it hopefully avoid a little bit of that commute in the morning, but as well, you know, you're going to have just a few minutes to get started and get going on task before other people are in the office. And the one last task, the one last tip I would say around this, around being extraordinary, um, is I like to, we talked about prioritizing our task list earlier. I really like to take one thing on my task list when I'm planning my day in the morning and, and go down my task list, go deep into it, you know, prioritizing it, but pick one thing off your list that you should do, but probably we're not going to get around to today. Either you're going to say, hey, I've been putting this off, or hey, this is just something I don't have time for today today but pick one thing on your list that you wouldn't have done today and put it in saying i'm going to do this extra task today and if you do that every day you will start to amaze yourself with just within just a few days or a few weeks when you start to pick off tasks that have been on your list for days or weeks or months or even longer and again they don't have to be you know momentous projects or anything but just even things that have been haunting your list for days and a long time and a long time if you do just one extra task a day, you will very quickly be more productive than most of the people you know. Okay. So it's about having strong organizational skills to start and then making sure that you push yourself to do that extra. Yes. And that will just make a difference each day of your life if you do that. Yes. I think it's a powerful technique. And I think that, you know, just doing that one extra thing each day. Is, is a great stepping stone to, to greatness and to doing just a little bit more than, than others. Again, it's not talking about going out and running an extra marathon each day, but if you're just doing a little bit more each day, a couple extra percent, you'll very quickly find that you're ahead of, of most people out there. And it does come back to those organizational skills, and, and I think we're going to talk about this, but when it comes to organizational skills, a lot of people see them as a burden. They think is going to be very complex, or they think it's going to be a lot of extra effort. But organizational skills are really a foundation, or a foundation to let you be more productive with less effort, I might add. And getting a system in place for your organization, and we can talk about tools and tactics and other things, but getting an organizational skill set and tools together lets you be more productive with less effort. And it's, and it's not about adding effort to your day. It's about eventually making it part of your lifestyle and part of your, your daily routine so that it's not a burden. Are there certain techniques or is there a better way of doing it or a better system in terms of organizing um, that you can recommend? Yeah, I have a couple thoughts here. And, and I may not have specific, because here's how I describe it. Um, it's not about there's one magic tool or magic organizational tool that's going to you know help you be productive. But I would give a couple recommendations here. The first is I always tell people to choose tools that you'll use. And, you know, we each have different, you know, skills and preferences and things like that. So choose tools that you're good with and that you actually use in your day. You know, our work environments differ and, you know, how we like to each work is differ, different to be productive. So what I'm getting at here is if an electronic, if a, if a, if a electronic solution is the best for you and works in your workplace, then by all means use it because there's a lot of advantages for being able to search and back up and other things. On the flip side, if you're better with pen and paper, and you're really good at taking notes that way and can stay organized that way, then by all means do that. Um, so I definitely think choosing tools that you'll actually use is very important. And I'll back that up with another tip, which is a lot of people, you know, they'll go out and they'll get the latest shiny gadget or tool or even pen or notebook or whatever it may be, and suddenly you find out that you don't really know what's in your tool set anymore. You've got a whole bunch of different things, maybe even duplicates. And so I'm very big on telling people, Use one tool of each type in your toolkit. You don't need five different, you know, note-taking solutions. You don't need five different to-do lists. You need one of each so that you can be productive, but you don't want duplication because that's extra effort, and soon you'll be out of sync across your different places and tools and things like that. So keep it simple. Choose tool that tools that you'll actually use and have one of each. Don't have different systems. I only have one piece of paper every day. <laughs> <laughs> it makes my life simpler because I know where I'm looking. What right, if, right. But we, we've all seen that individual that has like five different to-do lists. You know, they've got 
one you know on their computer they've got one you know on their phone which hopefully is synced they've got a piece of paper and then of course then they get to the office and they're writing to do down on post-it notes right Right. That's what I'm describing that you don't want to have happening. Have one place for your to-dos, one place for your appointments, one place for your notes. And again, technology can be your biggest friend here. Um, again, simple solutions usually win. But, you know, we now have, you know, these magical devices, and smartphones and iPads and the cloud and everything else where, you know, I can put a to-do in on my phone and it's magically everywhere. You know, I can take a note on my iPad and it's synced across all my devices. And of course, the same with our calendars, which you know we can share and do magic, magic there as well. So it can be very powerful with the technology to be able to work across different devices and in different locations and things like that. But what you don't want is a paper calendar at home and a paper calendar at work and things that aren't talking to each other and again, a duplication and things like that. But setting daily lists is different than goal setting, right? Because you have to set goals being from a bigger picture perspective and then figure out how everything's going to tie to them. So it's really about also about setting goals, personal goals that you have for yourself. Yes, I would agree with you there. I I think that, yes, it can be, I've been talking a lot about to-do lists in this conversation, but it can be dangerous again to confuse busyness with progress and to-do lists for me or and what I advise is, you know, they're about, helping you get done today's tasks and helping you remember the task for the future. But you're absolutely right. And and you're you're making an important distinction here that your goals are not your to-do list. Your to-do list is really the steps you want to take today and the steps you want to plan for the future. But you're absolutely right. Your goal setting needs to be a bigger picture. Um, A lot of people will separate it and have, you know, you know, a, a notebook about their goals or a journal, a goal journal or something like that. But again, goals are more projects, right? When you talk about the business world, they're more projects and they're long-term. They're not going to be done today or tomorrow. It may be six months, a year. could be many years, depending on the goal. And so, yes, I, I think you're right. You need to separate your goals from your to-do list. And while some of your steps will flow onto your to-do list, you need a way to envision your goals that separate from that and where you can track those at a higher level, you know, again, Let's say it's a, a, a physical fitness journey that could be a year or more, you know, or you know where you're planning things and tracking progress and things like that. Yes, I think your goals need to be separate and something else to track those higher level goals is important. And I would imagine that you have to then tie your daily to do list to these goals, right? Map back and make sure that you're doing something every day that will get you yes. to accomplishing your goals. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think what you're describing is spot on there because, yes, your goals will flow into your to-do list. And when you do that daily planning, hopefully in the morning, heck, so you could do it the night before or something like that, but when you do that planning, you're looking, you're reviewing your goals and saying, what, what am I going to do today to move that one step forward? And, and I do think that's a positive motivational mindset to have about that. You know, again, we're all going to have positive days. We're all going to have days where maybe we take a step backwards. But if you're looking at it from a daily view and a weekly view and so on and saying, what am I going to do today to move that forward? What am I going to do today to move this goal forward? And and every single one of your goals may not be worked on every day, but when you're taking it down to that daily level, it really starts to build those habits, right? You know, it becomes part of your lifestyle to be working on those goals. Um, If you're a writer, are you writing every day, even if it's for 20 or 30 minutes? If you're working on your physical fitness, are you doing something positive in that realm every single day to move it step forward each day? So, yes, I think that your goals flow into your daily activities. What would you recommend for procrastination? If you're not excited or the goal seems far away, then you're less likely to be effective about getting it completed. What happens when you're just not feeling it because maybe it's not going the way you imagined it or... You're just having a bad day. How do you keep push forward from that sense of procrastination? Yeah, we all like to procrastinate, and sometimes we, we have a mood where we don't want to work on something either because it seems unpleasant or it seems like you're just not in the mood to work on it. And in those days, it can be tough to push those forward. Uh, my advice there is taking it down to that smallest level. What what can you do at a, at a small level to move it forward? Break those big goals down into daily bite-sized pieces. Again, a lot of these goals are going to be elephants, but you can eat them one bite at a time. So, you know, in the case of, of, of writing, it may be writing one page today and seeing where that goes. 
you know, doing one thing. So one of the ways to beat procrastination or to chip away at it is kind of that, that you know, eating the elephant mentality, and that's a cliche there, but, um, you know, taking it down to that bite-sized level so you can do one thing or one little bit. Here, I'll give you a different example. Um, I've been using those two examples throughout this conversation. We all have, um, say, a big cleaning project or something we, or a home project that we want to do around the house, whether it's a to update something or to clean up something, and we put it off, right? And, you know, whether it's the garage or whatever it may be, and you're thinking, wow, that's going to take all weekend for me to sit in the garage and clean it out. But you can break it down, and you may have been putting it off for weeks or months or longer, but do it just a little bit each day it can be a very powerful way to do that. And I like to do this with my cleaning projects. If you take a timer and for 15 minutes each day you go and work on that project, you will very quickly start chipping away at it. You think, well, 15 minutes isn't much time for a big project. Yeah, but if you do that for a week, you've suddenly spent you know a couple hours on that project almost. So it very quickly chips away at it. And then you'll find you build momentum to your question earlier about momentum. You know, once you start doing it, you may say, hey, you know, I was going to spend 15 minutes on this today, but I'm, I'm getting going, so I'm going to keep going for another, another half hour, whatever it may be. So taking things down to that bite-sized level is a very powerful way to chip away or overcome that procrastination even when you're not in the mood. So it sounds like time management is a habit that we have to develop. It's not something that it's, you can't look at it as a project. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. And and what I like to to say is, you know, because you use the word habit there, but yes, it, for me, what I say is it needs to be part of your lifestyle. People sometimes look at time management as a light switch, right? Something you're going to turn on and turn off, you know? Hey, I'm behind on my work. I need to turn up my time management. But it doesn't work that way. Um, yes, you can put extra effort into it, but it works best when it becomes part of your lifestyle. And, and that's my way of kind of saying it. It is habit at that point. So when it becomes normal that you're planning your day, when it becomes normal that you're effortlessly tracking your tasks and things like that, then it becomes part of your lifestyle. And that's when things start to become easier. You start doing things without thinking about it. And you avoid a lot of the things that come up in daily life because of your habits, your productivity habits you've already developed. Um, I like to say that we create a lot of our own life friction which is things that happen to us during the day that maybe shouldn't have happened to us. You know, you forget something or you're late on something. But when you have that foundation of time management and habits behind you, you avoid a lot of that self-inflicted stress and things that happen to us. Time for a short break. We'll return more on effective time management. This portion of your program has been brought to you by generous help from The Barrel Room at 415 Sansom Street right here in San Francisco. You already know that The Barrel Room is a venue to get a finely crafted cocktail. Meanwhile, stay for dinner with an evolving menu that changes to feature a new wine region several times a year. You know they also have a fully stocked wine store that you can get a bottle to take home or get enough to fully stock your next event. What you may not know is they have a secret door that leads to a more than 100-year-old speakeasy, and inside you can have a meeting, a private gathering, just a drink, or even a quiet dinner in. To find out where that door is and what it leads to, you'll have to call the Barrel Room at 415-956-6900 or go to www.barrelroomsf.com. This is KXSF 102.5 FM, streaming worldwide at www.kxsf.fm. And you're tuned in to Spark with Kelly Marlowe. Informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul. Craig Jarrow and I were talking about effective time management before the break. Going back to support system... What is a good support system? Someone who holds you accountable? Um, yes, I, I think we all do it a little bit differently. But yes, I think a good support system is having others that you can collaborate with, who can hold you accountable and things like that. And we can have different different you know flavors of this of support. You know, if you have a significant other or spouse, you know, they can hold you accountable at maybe that higher family level and things like that about things that you want to accomplish in your life. But it's also good, you know, whether it's friends or coworkers or, or whatever it may be, 
to have, you know, different levels of support in that system is how I like to kind of express it. You know, maybe a coworker where you do similar roles or something in the company and you're able to come together and you could just be lunch once a week or something like that, where you're able to share what you're working on, what you're supposed to be accomplishing and things like that. But it allows you to not only just vent, but also get advice and also have that level of accountability. You know, there's some conflicting opinions out there uh, about telling people about your goals and things like that and whether that motivates you or not. I am a believer that you should tell people about your goals, should tell people about your progress. And it's something that some people aren't you know, comfortable with because they don't want to be, they really don't want to be held accountable because they're afraid they may fail or something like that. But when you're only accountable to yourself, it's very easy, right? It's, it's easy to let ourselves off the hook, right? Ah, I'm not going to go to the gym this week. I don't feel like it. But when you're meeting with someone else, whether it's a friend, spouse, whatever, and you're talking about your goals and telling about your progress each, each week, there is that level of, kind of, of accountability and even some, you know, some pressure there to, to deliver those results. And so it, it needs to be a positive relationship. I'm not saying that you should, you know, be in a very negative accountability loop or anything like that. But when you have someone else that you can bounce ideas off, tell them about your progress and things like that, I think it can be a very positive feedback loop. That's interesting. What you're saying is if you make an announcement about what you want to accomplish, you're more likely to accomplish it. Yes, I, I actually, I do, I definitely believe that you are more likely to accomplish your goals if you are announcing them and if you are talking with others about them. There's some, there's some debate on this. You'll see some of the people out there who say that you shouldn't tell people about your goals. It, it, it gives you a false sense of accomplishment and things like that. I disagree. If you, there's a couple of points here. One, if you're not able to tell people about your goals, I think that you probably haven't defined them well enough for yourself even if you're not able to express them you don't have to go advertise them on a billboard or even on a public social media site or something like that. But you should be able to de- define your goals to the point where you could tell a close friend or a loved one about them and what you hope to accomplish and, and by when and things like that. And I do think that in a positive relationship there, it can be a very motivational thing to be able to come back and tell that, that close friend, you know, hey, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. And you know what, this is what I did accomplish in this week or in this month. And I'm still trying to move forward. And in the good times, they can be a, a you know a cheerleader. In the bad times, they can be a motivator to help you stay on track. Find someone who can be the support system that you can make the announcement to and will hold you to it and support you even when it yes. doesn't work out. Yes, absolutely. What are the key sabotages to achieving more or time management? Like, for example, for me, it's when someone's talking to me longer than I'm planning to talk to them. Focus on being polite Mm, yes. Yes. And that's a good one you put forward there. You know, we all have things that happen, whether it's at work or social or whatever it may be, or even with friends and family, where people may take up more of your time than you intend. Um, yeah, and it can be a social thing, right? It can be a politeness thing to your point about, you know, it seems rude to say, hey, I can't talk to you right now because I got to go right for 30 minutes or whatever it may be. Um, I keep going back to that example. But, but yes, it, it can seem almost like a... a, a uh, uh, manners thing there. But I do think it's important to be able to, I think that one way you get ahead of that is by being ahead of your calendar and being ahead of your planning there. You know, for example, if you've planned to go to the gym for an hour, you can tell someone, Hey, I have an appointment at the gym. I have to be there in 30 minutes. You know, I have a minute now if you you know want, but I don't have, you know, endless time. And people react differently when you tell them you have an appointment for something, right? And the appointment may, de- may be just with yourself, to, to you know, do something, do an errand, do a task, do a project. But when you tell people you have an appointment with something, it does change that social interaction about you know whether it's rude or not like that. So I think that's a powerful way to get around some of the, the manners issues there. To your point about sabotage, yeah, it, it can be tough. And, and, and I think that one thing you can do um, is kind of do an inventory of your time and to determine where are you losing your time in your day. Again, is it Friends that are taking up all your time of the day? Is it social media? Is it TV? And yes, you may need, to need, may need to put some hard guardrails around some of those things so that they don't take up endless time. And you know, maybe you box them into this much time here or this much time in the day. You only spend 30 minutes on social media versus endlessly surfing for three hours. That'll eat up your day. So it's about controlling those distractions and those things that are eating up your time. I think that's how you start to get ahead of the self-sabotage. 
Hmm. What about creating more time? Isn't it also about creating more time for what's important to one as well? Yes. Now, this is a tricky one, right? Because obviously we can't physically create more time in the day. Um, but it is about how do I get more time back in my day? How do I get more time for the things that I want to work on or that we've been discussing are important? I think there's two two ways to approach this that, that, that come to mind right away. One is, is, of course, we all have so much time in the day. So one of the things I encourage people to do is, they're, especially if they're putting a big goal out there that they want to get on their calendar and start working on, is doing that time inventory and, and literally taking a pad of paper, or I don't care, open a Word document, whatever, make a list of all of the activities and obligations you have in a week. You know, hobbies, clubs, kids, sports, work, after work, all the things you have to do. And obviously we all have to sleep and eat and all that. But when you make that list and you add up all that time, you start to see very quickly, well, wow, if I think I'm going to work out four or five times a week, I'm not going to have enough time in the week to do that. So when you make that inventory, that's when you start to be able to say, okay, I'm going to have to cut back on this or I'm going to have to take this out out to make room for, for something else. So that's how you get more time back is by eliminating things. And I think the other strategy for how you get more time back in your day or in your life is being strategic about, you know, how you're, how you're being productive and being strategic with your time saves time. And what I like to tell people is, you know, time management isn't supposed to take up time. It just goes back to the whole habit thing and kind of philosophy here, but time management shouldn't take time in your day and in your life. It should make time in your day and in your life. In other words, your time management should be making you more productive, more efficient, so that you get time back. I'll give you a quick example on that. We've all done the thing where you run to the grocery store, or you run to the store, or whatever it may be, only to get home and realize that, oops, I forgot three things, and now i got to run out again. So now instead of you know, spending a half an hour out, you've now spent an hour, an hour and a half running errands. So that's time that you could have recouped had you been organized, had you written down your to-do list or your list of what you need to do on your errands and things like that. Simple example, but again, just an example of being efficient with your time and how your time management can give you back time in your day. But it's also about the quality, right, or the desire, the activity, like ranking them rather than be completely based on productivity where you could be just doing a lot of trying to get through a lot of things. True, true. That, that kind of comes back to when you say quality, I think that comes back to, again, the priority, right? You know, I could do 50 things today, but are they going to be, you know, and I may feel productive because I got a lot of things done, but were these the things that produced quality results or produced what I wanted to produce? So I, I think you're onto something there. And again, that, that's again where it comes back to, you know, when you go through that to-do list and you're prioritizing your day, again, ask yourself, what are the five most important things I need to get done today that will have the most impact on myself and on my life? as opposed to everything else. Because again, getting the five most important things done is going to be much more impactful than doing 25, you know, low priority tasks that have just been hanging on your list because they're just there. So you are right about the quality of the tasks that you're working on. And you bring up another angle there that makes me think of another angle there in terms of when it does come to doing those important tasks, they don't usually happen in five minutes or something like that. Quality work usually requires time. And it requires uninterrupted time. You know, we've been talking about interruptions and such. So when it comes to those important things, you do need to block out time on your on your calendar so that you have some quality time to work on those those important tasks. Again, they're not going to happen in the cracks in between meetings or in between appointments and stuff. You need to block out some some serious blocks of time so that you can do your best work and do your quality work on what's most important. Does That's that make good. sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You have mentioned that getting up a half an hour earlier makes a difference. Why is this? Why can't you just go to bed later? Same thing, right? Yes, yes. Um, I'm a big, big proponent of the early bird and getting up early. And that's kind of been my uh, routine for many, many, many years. Um, I do know some friends who are night owls and try to do it on the opposite end. But let me give you my, my thoughts on getting up early. Getting up early is, is really a magical time, and in those early morning hours, I don't care if you're uh, single or have kids or family or whatever, but those early morning hours are magical in terms of you get a chance to do some things while the world is really still asleep or just waking up or whatever it may be. 
And, you know, I say half an hour, but I think that most people who do this will suddenly find themselves going, hmm, I could get up an hour early and I'd be even more powerful. But again, there's, you can get things done in the early morning hours that really just have a positive momentum on your entire day. Maybe you get up half an hour early and you do a little bit of cardio and there's your workout in the morning before you even start your day. Or maybe you get up 30 minutes early and that's your time in the morning to do your planning and your preparing and other things. And again, when you head out the door, you feel that much more motivated and positive and knowing what you're doing. So I think it's very powerful uh, to do that and get up just a little bit earlier in the morning. And I, I think that most people will find that they'll very quickly find themselves getting up even a little bit more than half an hour early in the morning. So I'm a big proponent of that. I do know some people who like to try and do it on the other end and be the night owl. I find at the end of the day, it's better to do your relaxing activities and, you know, you don't want to stay up all night wasting time or playing on social media or watching TV for six hours. But at the end of the day, you're tired, you're worn out, and you're at the point where maybe it's a good time for reflection, but it's usually not a great time for doing creative work or the hard work, you know, at the very end of the day when you're out of energy and ready to rest and go to sleep. What you're saying is set the tone for the day, start off positive and organized mm-hmm. and clear-headed, and then you'll have a great day yeah. versus going to bed tired yeah. because you're trying to get a lot done. Right. Yes, and I'll give you a quick, quick flavor on that. You know, we've all had the, you know, the day where you get up and you're rushing to get to work and maybe traffic's bad and you're, you're running late, so it's stressful already. You get to work and suddenly you realize you forgot three things or you have things that you need to get off, off you know, into, into the email or whatever first thing in the day, and so it's very stressful. Contrast that with, hey, I got up an hour early and, you know, I did five of my important tasks before I even left the house. I wrote an important letter to my boss and I emailed it to him. And by the way, if you send that at 6 a.m., it's going to be sitting on the top of his inbox when he or she gets to work. I paid a bill. I did this. And boom, I planned my day. And then I headed out out, um, out of the house 15 minutes early, was able to stay ahead of the rush hour. And, you know, my commute was reduced. And I get to work and I've already completed, you know, three or four major tasks. So, yeah, to your point, it builds a lot of positive momentum in your day before you're even starting. Okay. So to wrap up the top three daily habits that will make the biggest difference in achieving more each day? Um, If I give you three daily habits, I think number one is have a foundation, have the tools that will help you be more productive with less effort. So that means having the right tools, um, to-do list, calendar notes, et cetera. Second is using those every day, which comes back to the planning as well as the use. But, you know, spending five, 10 minutes Doing that advanced planning in the day is a big game changer for a lot of people. Um, they may have a to-do list, but they may be haphazard in actually using it, and they're not doing it at the beginning of their day. And then third, um, choosing what is most important in your day. It comes back to that ordering or that prioritization that we talked about. Doing three to five of the most important things that will change your life every day is how you move forward. Thank you for joining me today on Spark. Thank you. I very much enjoyed it.